Thank you, worship team. You guys can be seated. I have to say it's been a crazy week, and before we get started, I'm just going to have just a good old-fashioned Pentecostal moment with you guys. Um, yeah, there were over 500 people shot this week, over 60 people killed because of an incident, and as a church, I think we need to have corporate prayer. I think that we need to stand and we just need to pray for those victims and we need to pray that the people that were there and the people around this nation come to know Jesus. And so I'm just going to ask, if you want to stand, if you want to raise your hands, whatever you want to do, let's just do this in Jesus. Heavenly Father, we just come to you and we pray for these people and we pray for this incident. God, we pray for healing to come out of this. We pray for your salvation so that people will come to know you. And Lord, that they not only come to know you, but they start coming to run towards you, God. And that lives are changed. And that people are touched. And it is through your Holy Spirit. And, and we can give Jesus the praise, the honor, and the glory for this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Uh, I, I do have to say that uh, it, it is an honor to be up here, so thank you guys for giving me the moment to do this. Um, all those coming to expect Pastor Aaron being here today, sorry I'm not as pretty or good looking or, or speak as well as he does. Uh, the update is, is that he will be here next Sunday, uh, so he's, he'll be here. Uh, we have some special things for Aaron to welcome him here, and I am completely excited about that, and because it's recorded, he'll just have to listen to this and then just wait in anticipation for what's waiting for him. Uh, I did send him the email this week about all the stuff that, uh, all of the photos that we did send. I want to say thank you guys for that. He did tell me, he goes, man, that was really heartwarming, and he goes, he's even more eager now to get here. Uh, which was pretty cool. Um, so when, when I decided, when I got asked to speak, I was immediately humbled at this moment. Uh, for me, it's a big deal. Um, I've gone to Bible college. I, I have a degree in pastoral stuff. And so the honor of being able to get up here and speak is just phenomenal. And in that moment, it broke me. I, I started crying, and I said, God, I'm, I'm just really not worthy to do this. And I said, God, I, I don't, why would, why me? And within moments, I just heard the words, why not you? And I got excited in that. And so I've spent the last several days trying to prepare this message, which means that it's going to be over in about five minutes, because, uh, you know, that's how it goes. Um, Jim challenged me, and he said that he was going to make fun of me while I was up here, so I'm just going to make fun of him before he can make fun of me. And so by doing that, I was 13, and my dad lived in Georgia, and we would drive out to Colorado all the time, 
And on the way back, we drove through Alabama once, and we noticed that all of the uh, trees on the Georgia line were always, like, facing west. And I said, Dad, why is that? And he goes, well, Dad, he goes, well, son, Alabama just sucks. Oh, 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 there it is. First shot at Jim. So there it is. There's, there's my joke for the day. Uh, growing up, I had a tumultuous childhood. That's not a secret. I don't care. And I'm proud that I was able to go through the struggles that I was able to go through. Because without being able to go through those struggles, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. One of the things I'm going to share with you is something that I fought with God for an entire long time about sharing publicly. And I was going to homeschool, and as a typical boy, I was probably grounded at that point. And so because I was grounded at home, I was grounded at school, because that's how it worked back in the day. And one night after a really long day, I went home. And as I was at home, we had dinner. I had to do my grounding chores. And my uncle and my aunt said, you know, it's been a long day. I just want you to go to bed. I said, okay, cool. I went to bed. And what, what's abnormal about that night is that I fell asleep fairly quickly. And falling asleep quickly never really happened for me then. The next thing that I remember is something that has changed my life forever. I remember being sat in a very dark room where there was no light. It was void of light. And it was just me sitting as a nine-year-old boy, cross-legged on the floor. And I look up and I go, wow, why am I here? And I can tell you guys this, it is if I was actually there. This is how vivid this was. And before I know it, there are two swords clashing above my head. In front of me was a demon, and, in front of, and behind me was an angel. And they started fighting. And I just looked up and I went, wow, this is nuts. Light became a part of the vision where in front of me was a legion of demons. I looked behind me, and there was even more angels. And these two angels, this angel and this demon, were fighting with swords over me. And I got scared. I was shaken. And this is real, this is vivid, this is as if it was happening over my head. You could hear the clinks of the swords. I could feel the sweat Then all of a sudden, I felt someone just grab me around me, pull me back. And I heard the words, I've got you. And I looked up in this vision, and it was Jesus. And I went, what? Because you're a nine-year-old boy. You don't understand what's going on. And he just held me and he said, I love you. I've got you. I immediately woke and I ran downstairs to my uncle 
crying. And one of the most amazing things that my aunt and uncle gave to me was grace. Instead of yelling at me because I was grounded, instead of yelling at me because I was, I was out of bed, I said, uncle, uncle, you're not going to believe what just happened. I'm crying. And he goes, what just happened? I explained to him what happens, and he goes, okay. He put his arms around me, and he just prayed for me. In one of the most amazing life-changing moments in my life, he prayed for me. And he said, I want you to do something. He goes, I want you to go upstairs. I want you to grab your Bible. And he goes, just start reading. And as a typical guy, we go, where do we start? You know, there's no instructions. And he goes, if Jesus says he's got you, he's got you. And he led me to this verse, this set of verses. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fear or deal that is coming on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed with his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of the glory of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or as a thief or as any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear his name. The next verse that I'm going to read is 19. So then, who suffers according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. That has been me. You can always tell where a preacher is at or a person is at when they get up to speak because they speak from the heart. This is my heart. I have suffered before because of Christ. You have suffered before being a Christian. I can tell you stories where I was beat up in a bathroom because I bared the name of Jesus Christ. I can tell you the stories where I've been kicked out because I have bared those things. But I give God the glory for these things. The next day, I woke up, and I went to school, and I was going to a private school, Christian college schools, and a teacher there, and she's crazy, and it's fabulous, and life is nuts, and so I went up to her, and I said, hey, 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 you're not going to believe what happened to me, and so I told her the entire story of what just happened, and she goes, she asked me, she goes, I want you to read this in front of the school. At the time, there were 18 kids, you know, from junior high through, through elementary. So I got up, and I'm dyslexic, and so I fumbled through it, and I couldn't read all the words, and sounded really horrible, and she just had this contusion face, like, what are you doing? Uh, and then she asked me, she goes, what does this mean to you? And I told her, my life is not mine. I told her that I will suffer for choosing Jesus, but I will be grateful for when I do suffer. The last thing that I remember telling her is that, I, that is if I choose Jesus, 
never to walk away. Because if I did walk away, all of my suffering would be for nothing. She was pretty amazed at what I told her. And she goes, that's really wise of you. That's my message this morning for you. Is when you choose Jesus, don't walk away. You are going to go through hard times. Now, some people think that a hard time is when you go to Target and someone has 15 items in the 10-item line. Uh, Some people think that a hard time is I got up in the morning and the truck wouldn't start. It's a personal affront. I'm talking about actual suffering. Whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether it's with your family. I'm pretty open and honest book about my entire life. But I'm outcast from my family. My family that I have is through my wife. My family that I have is through my friends that I do community with. That's my family. They don't agree with how I've lived with my life. They don't agree with the decisions I've made. But I've made those decisions. And I've lived with those decisions. And every time that I get an opportunity to minister to them, I will do so. Because I love them. And because I don't mind being outcast for bearing the name of Jesus Christ. One of the cool things is is when I was about 2004, I was doing youth ministry here and I decided to go to Bible college because I wanted to go do youth pastoring. That was my, I believe God laid that on my heart. And so I did a whole bunch of research and I went to the school called Rocky Mountain Bible Institute. And everything there is, it was cool. It was a fantastic little school. One of the coolest things that they had is they had mentorship. So when you went to the school, they said, you get a staff mentor. So I went to the school and I got excited because I was going to get a staff mentor. And in typical Steve fashion, nobody wanted me. It's actually pretty funny. Uh, It was just one of those things where it was, nobody wanted to mentor me. And I went to this one teacher and I said, hey, teach, will you mentor me? And he goes, I'm good, man. I'm really full right now. I already got, you know, so many mentors. And so I went to this other teacher and I was like, hey, man, I want to be a youth pastor too. And you're a youth pastor and mentor me. And he goes, "Uh, not really. And so I went to the dean and I said, hey, dean, like, Nobody wants to mentor me. So does that mean I'm kicked out of the school? Because, you know, I'll just collect my stuff and go home. And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I'll talk to, he goes, I'll talk to people. So he comes back to me a couple weeks later. And he goes, so here's the deal. Uh, And I love it when people start conversations with that. Uh, Ask my three, ask Tyler when he was younger. That's how he always started his conversations with you. So here's the deal. Um, So he came to me and he goes, so here's the deal. Nobody wants to mentor you. And I went, awesome. I go, so what does that mean? He goes, I'm going to do something that I've never done 
the entire time I've been a dean at the school. And I go, kick me out, I got it, cool, I'll just collect my stuff. Uh, it was good knowing you guys, thanks for the material. And he goes, no, 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 he goes, I'm going to mentor you. And I was like, the dean of the school is going to mentor me. I was like, this is going to go really well. Uh, how cool is it going to have to be that I have to go home and tell Suzanne that I got sent to the dean's office in college? Uh, you know, uh, I regularly knew a lot of deans, uh, unfortunately, just because of how I was. But uh, one of the times that I was sitting in his mentorship, as we were talking, he had this little squirt gun mounted to his wall. And me being pretty ADD, I just looked at him and go, hey, uh, what's, what's the squirt gun for? Like, are we random squirt gun fights here? Because if so, I am grossly underprepared. And I was like, I will go buy a super soaker just to, like, defend myself randomly. And he goes, no. He goes, that's my philosophy on life. And I go, huh, you're just going to have to explain that one to me. And he goes, I would rather stand at the gates of hell with that tiny squirt gun taking on hell than anywhere else. He goes, I've come across some of the people that I am their last hope and opportunity that they will ever have in their life. And he goes, I'm going to beat back the flames of hell with my squirt gun and stop as many people as I can. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And he goes, the next statement was very profound. He goes, I believe you're going to be the same guy. And I went, what? Like, dude, I'm good. You know, like, I'll just cabin in the forest, no big deal. And he goes, no. He goes, I believe your calling is to reach the unreachable. He goes, I believe your calling is going to be befriending the unfriendable. He goes, you're going to be somebody who's not going to be your typical Christian. He goes, your life all the way up to here has stated that you're not going to be typical. He goes, you're going to be standing with me with a squirt gun. And he goes, you're going to come across the most disgusting scum of the earth, people that no one ever wants to talk to or be with, and they're going to be drawn to you. And I went, sounds like a good time. Um, I'm good. And he goes, you need to embrace it. And I said, okay, I will. My encouragement to you is the same thing that he encouraged to me. Find your place in your community. Reach those around you. If your place in the community is in the Christian church, in the Christian castle, with the Christian moat, ministering to those Christians, be that person. If you're the person that is outside of that moat, and all you do is you find wandering, lost, rich people, be that person. I know where I need to be. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11 says the end 
of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober of mind. I really thought about making a Colorado joke about being sober of mind because of our laws, but I, I can't do it. I just, sorry, I can't do it. Above all, love each other deeply because love, or, love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve, as, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as they speak the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so in the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him the glory and glory forever. Amen. Love your people where you're at. Serve your people where you're at. Use whatever gift you have for those around you. Be that person. Own that. One of the, uh, one of the coolest things about me living my life is I got to go work at a place called Lost and Found. Sounds like a complete, total Steve place. Uh, it's a Christian-founded place for boys who were either on their way to jail or from jail. Their files read like a horror story, not a bedtime story. These kids were the worst of worst in the state of Colorado. Matter of fact, we were so good at our job that they would send the worst of worst from other states to our place. One of the kids that I happened to befriend, his name was Luke, and it's been several years since I've been there, so I will use his real name, Luke. Luke's file just would break the unbreakable. I don't want to go into details because those details don't matter. You don't need to live those details. You don't need to own those details. But just know that Luke is not the guy you want your daughter bringing home. Luke was the guy that you didn't want to hire to work next to you. Luke was a train wreck. Luke was everything you don't want in your own kids. And Luke, during his entire time there in a 12-month program, he spent 18 months uh, because he was so good at it. He had to spend an extra six months. Luke had a hard time in this program. And through the months and the time that I had with him, I was able to develop a relationship with him. And the program director wasn't able to develop the relationship. His counselor that he had assigned to him wasn't able to develop that relationship with him. His counselor, his case counselor, couldn't develop the relationship with him. But for some odd reason, I developed a relationship with Luke. And I worked Sunday through Wednesday. And we would, I would constantly be working with him, constantly be talking to him, constantly speaking into his life. I was constantly giving him the gospel of Jesus. Because Luke needed, above all things, healing 
in his life. He needed so that he could move forward with what was going on. There was a particular day where Luke was in a counseling session with his mom and his counselor, who just happened to be named Luke as well, and it was a really hard session for him. And he goes bursting out of the door. He runs by several people, his counselor, his counselor's counselor, program directors, other counselors that were working there, teachers. And he comes and he just football tackle hugs me. I don't know how else to put it, man. He just comes running straight at me full speed. And I'm holding this kid who is 17 and he's completely broken. And he's just, I still remember it today. He's just sobbing all over me. And to me, that is one of the most amazing times of my life is this kid was so broken that the only person he could find in in this entire place of healing was me. I'm not that special. I'm, you know, not that good looking most of the times. And he came running towards me and he kept holding me. And I said, dude, what's going on? And in his sobbing, he just goes, I can't do it anymore. He goes, I'm broken. I'm done. And I go, what can't you do anymore? He goes, I want to end my life. He goes, I was running out to commit suicide right now. And he goes, you just happened to be standing here, and the only thing I could do was grab you. And I'm like... I don't know what to do. You know, normally I have a good joke or two. And normally I can smile things off. And normally I can get people moving in a better mood. And I started to break too. And I started crying on this kid. Like, oh, you know, I don't know what's going on. But we're all going to cry, you know. I go, why is it so rough for you? And he goes, I've lost all hope. He goes, my mom doesn't want me. He goes, I don't know who my dad is. He goes, my family's abandoned me. He goes, I've lost everything. And I turned to him and I said, no, you haven't. I said, you have me. And I pulled one of the old lines from Paul and I go, follow me as I follow Christ. Not the best example in the world. Those who play softball with me, play cards, you know that I am not the best example. But I said, follow me, Luke, and I will lead you to Jesus. I said, I will do everything I can to bring you to salvation. The good news is, is that we were able to get him back in to finish his counseling session. And he came out of the counseling session And his counselor, Luke, came out of the counseling session. And they pulled me aside and they said, he goes, what did you say to him? Because when he came back in, he was a different kid. And I said, dude, I I didn't say anything. Within a couple weeks later, 
I had the honor and the privilege to lead this kid who is broken that no one else wants to Jesus. Not because of anything I did, but because I was willing to serve. Because I was at the right place at the right moment doing the right things that God had called me to do. Love those around you. Serve those around you. When I used to run a youth group, and, and I ran two youth groups, everyone knows I used to run the youth group here, and then I moved on to another youth group at a different church. One of the things that uh, really struck me is that there's a church in Tampa. It's called Without Walls. Randy White runs the church. And I was listening to one of his sermons, and one of the things he said is, is he goes, <clears throat> there's a lot of churches that are built for Christians. So that Christians can just go from one church to another church to another church. He goes, but I wanted to build my church for those who weren't Christians. So Randy White, building his church in Tampa, Florida, used to get up at only God knows what time, and he would walk the neighborhoods of Tampa. And he would pray this simple prayer. God, send me those people who no one else wants. He was calling these people to his church. He was asking for the sinner of sinners, the people that had no redemption, the people who had never heard of Jesus to his church because he wanted a church filled of sinners. During my time as a youth pastor, that's what I did. I knew my calling. I didn't want the kids. I did. The kids that were in church, I wanted them. But more importantly, I wanted the broken. I wanted the kids that no one else wanted. I wanted the people that thought they had no hope. Because if I could bring them hope through Jesus, I knew everything would grow. Not bragging, but I was able to grow two youth groups from very little to 50 plus kids on that message alone. My message to all of my kids has always been redemption and hope. And that is what I want to encourage you today for. Um, flip the page a little too early. We are in Ephesians 2, 4 through 8. But because of his great love, God, who is in rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it was by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. In order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And keep this verse with you. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And, is not through it, and this is not from yourselves, but a gift of God. I want to tell you that the gift of Jesus Christ is here for you today. This verse 8 is an inspiration to me 
and I hope that it's an inspiration to you. Your salvation is a gift from God. There's going to be days when you struggle. There's going to be days when you doubt your faith. There's going to be days when you doubt that there is a God and a creator. Some of those people in Las Vegas went through that this week. Before then, it was a hurricane through Florida. Before then, it was a hurricane in Florida, or Houston. Apologize. There's an outcry of people doubting their faiths where they're at. There's going to be an outcry in your spirit of you doubting your faith. I ask you to hold on to this. Your salvation is a gift. If you don't struggle, I'm so happy for you. But I know in my life, just as in my dream, my vision, there's always going to be a fight over me. There's always going to be Satan moving in to do his work, his damage towards me and my family. I know that because every day I step up and every day I minister to the people around me at my work. I work in corporate America now. I work in one of the most sinful places that I ever thought could be. I've done construction, and it's not as crazy as corporate America. I have men and women cheating on their husbands. I have open drug use around me. I have alcoholics. I have debauchery. I have people that I never, that you would think that are just normal. But they're struggling with their life. And they're covering it up with their fantastic job that they have. I minister to those people. I sit at a table with Mormons, with a cheater, with a druggie, with an alcoholic, and these are people I have lunch with. These are people that I minister to on a daily basis. Not because of anything I've done, but because God has placed me in this place at this moment. And I'm going to do anything and everything I can do to bring these people to salvation. I encourage you to look at where you are at in your life and do the same. Not because Steve's doing it, but because God has asked us to do so. And some people, they go, man, that's awesome, that's fantastic, but I'm just not that type of person. And I go, I'm sorry you're discouraged. I'm sorry that you're not seeing this. In Colossians 2, 13 through 14, says, when you were dead in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. Having counseled the charge of our legal indebtedness, you guys should be proud that I said that word. That's huge for me. I normally can't say those big words. Which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. 
This morning, I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Because going through college and going through Bible college, one of the things that I told myself is that every time that I preach a message, I'm going to give people an opportunity to respond. I don't care what sin you're struggling with. I don't care what issue you're struggling with in your life. I don't care if it's money. I don't care if it's a physical. I don't care if it's a spiritual need. Your sin is forgiven. It was nailed to the cross. Gone, done. If you are having those issues in your life, I ask you to respond this morning. I ask you to stand up and say, God, I am forgiven. As a person that has done drugs, done alcohol, sinned a lot, I stand before you forgiven. And it is only through God's grace that he has allowed me to give this moment and in this time to ask you to do the same thing. I don't care if it's a marital issue. I don't care if it's a family issue. I don't care whatever is holding you back this morning. That you stand up and you say, God, forgive me. This is my encouragement to you. Because if you can stand up in front of your community, in front of your friends and say, God has forgiven me, then you can stand up in front of the people that are around you at your work, in your family, in your community, and you can say, I am forgiven. You can be too. I was playing poker a couple weeks ago in a bar. I I know, it's crazy. Steve would go to a bar to play poker, right? And this guy named Kyle drives everyone nuts. You want to choke this guy out. And he goes, what are you doing tomorrow? And I go, man, I'm going to church. He goes, you know, if I went to church, he goes, God would strike me down with a lightning bolt. And I looked at him and I said, you're not that good of a sinner. It just popped out. Sometimes these things, I can't stop them. I said, you're not that good of a sinner. And he goes, who, what? And I said, no matter how hard you sin, God will always forgive you. At a poker table, in a bar, in a roar, where they threatened to kick me out because I wore a hat backwards, which is fantastic. And everybody at the table looked at me and was like, well, we're getting religious. And I said, no, we're not getting religious. I'm just telling you the truth. And I said, Every single one of you could come to church. God would not strike you down. He would praise. The angels would stand and they would have a party when you are forgiven and you give your life to Jesus. That's what I'm asking you to do to the people around you. Give them hope. Give them encouragement. These people are not that good of a sinner. Jesus does not have to come back and die a gruesome death again because they are that good at it. Matter of fact, they suck at sinning. That's why he only had to do it once. I leave you 
with this one verse. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 2. As God's co-workers, we are urged you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time for God's favor. Now is the time for salvation. If anyone wants to come up and get prayed for, stand up, let's get prayed for. For those of you in the seats, do not judge. Come up and wrap your arms around your brothers and sisters. Pray with them. Help them through what they need. Because you never know when it's going to be your time where you need to be prayed for. You never know when the time of the brother or the sister that is sitting next to you is failing in their life. One of the things that God told me is when Dave left, and I love Pastor Dave, there's a lot of hurt and brokenness in this church. There's a lot of people that need God, that need God to work in their lives again. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to stand down here. And whether or not you come down or not is up to you and between you and God. But I'm going to stand down here with my arms wide open. And I'm going to stand down here praising God. And I'm going to stand down here praying for you each and every single one of you. And if you're struggling today, do not be afraid. Stand up. Come get healing. Not because Steve's here, but because Jesus Christ has sent his Holy Spirit here. And he is ready to heal you. He is ready to help move you forward. That's why you come forward. I've asked Gordon and Nate that if you don't want to pray with me, they will be over here to pray for you. I want to say thank you for this opportunity for me to share my heart with you. And I can only hope that this message is one of encouragement to you one of healing to you. Mm.